free two-week virtual program teaches girls how to be brave as they learn to code, and it gives them an inside peek into the world of tech. Classrooms are virtually hosted by top companies like Disney, AT&T, and more. Tech access and stipends are provided for those who qualify. Apply today at girlswhocode.com. That's girlswhocode.com. It is the Girls Who Code free summer immersion program for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade girls. Apply today and let's show them who run the world, girls. By now, you've probably heard a lot about the census. It happens every 10 years. It's important determining political representation and how federal funding will be distributed to our local communities for vital programs. You may even have heard that the census questionnaire is simple and can be completed in one sitting, online, by phone, or mail. But what you may not know is what questions the census will ask. So here they are. The census will ask how many people are living in your household, their names, ages, sex, date of birth, and racial identification, whether you rent or own the home, and what is the relationship of each household member to the person filling out the questionnaire. The census will also ask for your phone number, just in case they need clarity on one of your responses. The census will not ask for your social security number or if you are a citizen. For more information, visit CaliforniaCensus.org. It's just you cruising on the open road, then it happens. Careless drivers, mechanical problems, flat tire. Really? Right now? Well, people who know motorcycles, people who know the open road, know your pain. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next month. Something could leave you, your motorcycle, and your vehicle on the curb. Well, don't trip. Call Herb. Call Herb C. Herb C. at Need to Lift Motorcycle Towing and a whole lot more. They got you covered. He'll come right to you right away. Cars, trucks, and RVs. 24-hour emergency roadside assistance. Need a jump start? We got you covered. Lost your keys? Locked out your car? We got you covered. Hey, when it happens, you got to have a guy. If you find yourself on the curb, do what I do. I call Herb. Herb C. at Need to Lift Motorcycle Towing and a whole lot more. You might want to put this number in your phone 916-519-8454 that's 916-519-8454 need to lift motorcycle towing and a whole lot more he'll get you going and flowing all over again selling slack selling selling slack selling slack selling selling slack selling slack selling selling slack buying the block back Selling slack, selling, selling slack. Selling slack, selling, selling slack. Selling slack, selling, selling slack. Hey everyone, how you doing this Wednesday? You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key and we are Selling Sacramento. If you are following me on Facebook, tune in to Selling Sacramento on the radio where we are live. And you'll be able to see one of our guests for the show today. And I want to introduce my guest to you before we get started and then tell you what today's topic is. We have uh, Miss Tanisha Broadway and Miss Kira Norman. And I'm going to give you their credentials after I tell you what the show is about. Post George Floyd. We are at a time now where we are 
technically in a recession. And it's being said now that the real estate market will lead us out of this recession. Prior to the pandemic, the housing shortage, high rents, and historical systemic racial oppression has kept blacks out of home ownership. The tragedy of George Floyd seems to have forced the hand of the entire country to want to quickly right some historic wrongs. So in this episode, we are going to take an in-depth look at those wrongs and talk about what's occurring locally. Are we finally going to level the playing field? So my guests on today's show, I have in the studio with me, Miss Kiara Norman. Am I saying that right? I always feel like I'm- You're fine. <laughs> How does your well, mother my, pronounce it? Well, Kiara Norman. Kiara. Yes. Ms. Kira Norman, <laughs> and she is the Chair on Economic Development with the Sacramento NAACP. She is also a Realtor and the Yolo County Sales Manager for Coldwell Banker Select. So she is right here, hand in hand, <laughs> down in the dirt in the real estate industry, experiencing everything on all levels. We also have with us today and she will be speaking with us um, at the next segment. But if you are tuned in to Facebook, you can see her live right now, Miss Tanisha Broadway. And she's the realtist of, I'm sorry, she's the president of the Sacramento Realtists. <laughs> she is the housing chair for the Sacramento NAACP. And she's a mortgage consultant. And you've heard her on my show before. She's a mortgage consultant with um, American Pacific Financial Mortgage. So I want to start today's show by giving you all a backdrop. It's important that we know our history. It's important that we know how we got to where we are today, why we do certain things that we do, and many of the things that we do, we do them now out of habit because we've been trained and conditioned, and some of that conditioning, we're now realizing and waking up to the fact that this isn't the type this isn't good conditioning the the results of the conditioning have brought us to a point to where the anger the frustration the oppression has reached ahead and we are witnessing probably and living in one of the greatest times in history that will go down in the history books so i'd like to share this article with you a look at housing inequality and racism in the U.S. Housing inequality and segregation was the norm in the 20th century. Even if the Fair Housing Act of 1968 sought to erase racial discrimination. In a 2019 article, the Center for American Progress, a left-leaning public policy research organization, stated that the federal government actions and institutions played a critical role in the creation and endurance of racist housing policies. The Great Depression, which led to the establishment of the Homeowners Loan Corporation and the still operational Federal Housing Administration, prompted a two-tier approach to housing. The latter promoted residential segregation. It did so by shunning investments in cities 
in city areas where people of color lived and by placing so-called restrictive covenants to keep middle-class neighborhoods white. I can vouch for that. I'm just going to throw in a little editorial. I've been in transactions where you pull up the CCNRs and they're crossed out because they have to cross them out. They can't just remove the text. But the text previously stated, if you are Negro, you cannot live in this particular neighborhood. It literally says that, and it hurts me. You know, Keisha, you know, I've seen the same, and I've actually seen some more recently that mm-hmm. weren't extra crossed out. So they expect a lot of the homeowners to sign off on it, you know, and some won't. They refuse because they don't agree with how they won't get rid of it in the, in the verbiage. So you're totally right. So this is yeah. the time that we need to attack. Make a note of that. We mm-hmm. need to attack that, too. <laughs> After the passage of the Housing Act of 1937, low-income public housing projects mushroomed in inner cities, replacing slums and consolidating minority neighborhoods. Major road construction and suburbanization further segregated American cities. We can see that right here in Sacramento Mm -hmm. with Oak Park. Absolutely. When they put Highway 99 right down the middle, Oak Park used to be a part of Uh, Curtis Park, Mm -hmm. Southland Park, and all of those. So we see that right here in Sacramento. African-American families that were prohibited from buying homes in the suburbs in the 1940s and 50s and even into the 60s by the Federal Housing Administration gained none of the equity appreciation that whites gained. Gained none. African-Americans. Redlining. Redlining, exactly. Look that up, everyone. Exactly. (laughs) And if you tune into next week's show, we're going to talk about the book called The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein, which this article actually pulled that reference from. Buying a home while being a person of color. Even after the 1968 passage of the Fair Housing Act, black Americans and other minorities have continued to experience housing inequalities. In the first quarter of 2020, the Census Bureau reported that black households had the lowest home ownership rate at 44% nationwide. 44%, 30% 30 percentage points behind that of white Americans. 30 percentage points. So that means that they are at 70 Four plus percent home ownership. We're at 44% nationwide. It is even lower than that right here in Sacramento. It is somewhere between 14 to 20% in Sacramento. In a report published this month, the Urban Institute cites multiple prior studies that show that if home ownership were racially equalized, the racial wealth gap would diminish. We all know that home ownership benefits accrue differently to white homeowners than to homeowners of color. Some reasons for this are that black homeowners are more likely to cycle between home ownership and renting, which has implications for how much housing wealth they can build relative to white homeowners. And we know that to be true because many of us who are African American don't even consider home ownership until later in life. We, we start the path off as young people, as renters. And so we've got to really encourage our young people to become homeowners 
out the gate. In addition, black homeowners are more likely to take on more debt to purchase homes that are less expensive, becoming more leveraged than white homeowners. White Hispanic homeowners live in higher cost markets, while Hispanic homeowners live in higher cost markets, taking out debt with lower down payments and having higher debt to income ratios. To that point, the National Association of Realtors finds that in 2019, last year, compared to their Hispanic and white counterparts, Black home buyers purchased residents with the lowest median price of $228,000. Black shoppers also had the lowest median household incomes at $75,000. As a result, their homes are also the smallest at 1,800 median square feet. Black home shoppers as well as their Hispanic peers are also most likely to initially pay the least toward the purchase of their residence. More than half of black and Hispanic households reported down payments equal to or less than 10% of their home's value. On the flip side, 12% of black households and 17% of Hispanics say they made down payments of 21% or more, one-fourth of what whites and Asians did. Because black and Hispanic homeowners put smaller down payments, they usually play, pay higher interest rates than their white and Asian peers. In 2015, less than two-thirds of black and Hispanic households held loans with rates below 5%. Some 73% of whites and 83% of Asian households had such mortgages. Why, why high interest rates saddle black and Hispanic homeowners has also been the result of racial, racial discrimination by lenders, especially after the creation of mortgage-backed securities. In the housing boom leading to the Great Recession, predatory lending, characterized by unreasonable fees, rates, and payments, zeroed in on minorities pushing them into risky subprime mortgages. According to a 2010 study that Reuters reported on, even if black mortgage applicants had credit scores and debt ratios similar to that of white borrowers, they would still receive unfavorable mortgage terms. Meanwhile, according to the National Association of Realtors, a little over 13% of black shoppers were rejected for a mortgage loan last year, in contrast to 4% of Latino buyers and 5% of white shoppers. Before we take a break, when we come back, I'm going to finish the article, but I'm going to invite our guests in on the conversation as we finish this article and kind of um, deal with what the article is talking about and what that's going to look like moving forward post George Floyd. I want to say hi to those of you who are following us on Facebook Live. We see you, Angie, Stacy Lynn, Serena. Hi, ladies. That's all I can see for now. But we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will be back with Tanisha and Kira, and we're going to dissect this information. And um, it, it's a tough conversation, but I, I think we're ready. The, the pump is primed. 
You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key, and we are selling Sacramento. in relationships. Empowering, empowering, educating, and encouraging sisters everywhere. This is Today's Black Woman with Jennifer Kim. Cheryl Broussard is co-author of the book, What's Money Got to Do With It? The key is that there is to set a certain amount of money that each person can spend without the other person knowing it. So, for example, you know, you just can't go out and spend, you know, $1,000 on a new computer without asking the other person, you know, what do you think or should we do this or not? Not, not, not necessarily getting permission, but just talking about it. So there should be a certain amount that you may decide upon. It could be $100, it could be $500. You know, if anyone wants to go over, you know, 500 bucks, then you need to talk to each other about it. Subscribe to our free newsletter on the web, todaysblackwomanradio.com. This is Today's Black Woman. I'm Jennifer Kim. Sell a sack, sell a sell a sack, sell a sack, sell a sell a sack. Hey everyone, we're back and we are talking about post-George Floyd. We are talking about the pump being primed and ready for not only racial and ethnic uh, change for for the disparities and the oppression, but also as it relates to the real estate and housing market for African Americans. If you are following us on Selling Sacramento on the radio, you can see my guest, Tanisha Broadway, and you can see my guest, Ms. Kira Norman, in-house. And 
Tanisha is going to be, Tanisha has called in, so we can't accept calls because we'll be talking to Tanisha. However, if you are following us on Facebook Live, please ask us any questions on Facebook Live. We can see them. Everyone watching can see them, and we will answer them live on the show. And so I want to finish talking about this article. I want to finish out the article, but I'm going to pause and allow my guests to jump in and kind of chime in as we dissect what we're hearing. So low housing equity due to small down payments and modest median home values translate to less overall wealth for both black and Hispanic households, which rely more heavily on their homes to accumulate wealth. Black households have nearly 57% of their net worth tied in the value of their homes, while Hispanic homeowners carry about 67% of their wealth in their homes. As a share of net worth, housing amounts to only 41% for white homeowners. Now, when I hear that, and before we went on break, we also talked about how at one point in the market, blacks were shut out from gaining and, and being able to accumulate the wealth during the 40s, 50s, and 60s that our white counterparts is, that they were able to, to gain. Do you have any thoughts about, what are your thoughts about that, Kira? You know, a couple of things come to mind, you know, saying that, one, meaning redlining, um, just being who I am, you know, redlining is something that still infuriates me. Um, it's something that is government-backed. It was government-backed for many, many years. It excluded a ton of minorities, mainly um, our community, the, the African-American community, um, from various federal services that would have um, allowed them to progress economically um, and then maybe be a little bit closer to the equal, you know, be a little bit more equal to um, some of the other um, classes in our in our society. But um, that and generational wealth, I mean, generational wealth, in my opinion, you know, prior to even the, the term of redlining come out, coming out, you know, generational wealth traces back you know what we're they i want to say you know 250 years behind economically but really it's 400 years right. behind economically mm-hmm. um for so many different contributing reasons and this is one of the main things that um disturbs me when having conversations because people are not willing to accept that that's really what it is when i have the conversation it takes a lot of energy and a lot of educational factors and knowledge to get that um to get that done so you know it gets it gets quite frustrating at times to talk more about um the disparities that are present for those that don't understand but but i definitely can guarantee you that generational wealth and black wealth in general is it's there's a black wealth emergency for sure Mm -hmm. not only in sacramento but just nationally um and according to a pew report by i think it said 2050 black wealth will be at zero Right. Yes. So, you know, having said some of those things, that's what um, comes to my mind when you you initially, you know, recite those words from that article. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm thinking of, too, to your point. Now, how do we um, we try we hear our white counterparts today when they hear us say things like inequality. Um, we didn't get an opera. We didn't get the same opportunities you guys did. They don't 
understand where we're coming from because they were not the ones back then that right. did the oppressing, even though they're a part of a system that continues to oppress us. Right. How do we talk to our white counterparts to make them understand that they are 10 steps ahead of us just by being born white? How do we get them to understand that? I mean, that's a great question, Keisha. And, and to talk a little bit about your previous um, Are we listening to question. Can, can they hear me? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Hey. Um, <laughs> so, so the first thing I, I would say is it's definitely going to start with just educating them, right? All, all of this is about, you know, when we're dealing with people buying homes and and we're, we're dealing with, you know, our clients, it's all about educating someone. If you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know, right? And you're right. ignorant to it. And so we have to we have to continuously have the dialogue with them and educate them on, on what has happened. Let them know that, you know, the playing field is not equal and, and it hasn't been equal. And, and, you know, they don't typically, a lot of times, they don't understand, you know, well, how come you can't do this? I mean, you're here in America and it's free and the world is, it's free and you know we're in the greatest country why can't you get the opportunities that we can get and so um, again it, it goes back to just getting them to understand that when we were brought here as slaves we were designed to fail from the jump we never were even thought of as a people to progress right that wasn't the mentality that that whites had then and that has been instilled in a lot of them through generations and so if we if we weren't if we were brought here to not succeed and that's the mentality of, you know, you know, some of the you know, white people out there, that's what the mentality, then how are they going to shift that mentality if that's all that they've ever known and that's been generational? They're going to be conditioned to think like, well, it's just how it is. Right. You know, blacks just haven't been able to catch up and that's just how it's always been. So we have to educate them on, on that history and let them really understand that this, you know, it was designed that way. Right. And, and now it has to be, you know, um, broken down differently. So you just you just opened the door to uh, my next question. I'm getting some feedback. Are you on a speakerphone, Tanisha? I am. Can you? I can go. I can come off this again. Yeah. Okay. Is that better? I'm still getting a little feedback. I'm off speaker now. Okay. Do you have a headset? You guys, I'm sorry, viewers. I'm I'm at home. I got <laughs> kids. It's social distancing. You know, it's a lot going on. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I'm. It's okay for me. It's not huge, but I don't know how it's sounding for other people. Because the more I talk, I'm hearing the feedback. Whatever you just did, you just got rid of yourself. Let me just ask this question while you try to figure that out. <laughs> Are either of you aware? of any actions being taken by the NAACP, the Realtors Association, or the Sacramento Association of Realtors in direct response to the George Floyd tragedy? Absolutely. Um, can you hear me or is there feedback? Because I, I want to- We can hear you. Out. We can hear you? Okay, cool. So um, as far as the NAACP, we're in full support of the Eight Can't Wait campaign. And those of you who don't know what that is, you can Google it. But but basically, what that is is it's a campaign. Um, eight can't wait. They offer it's offering eight immediate steps that organizers say could make major a major dent in the amount of police violence um, or killings of civilians. 
So um, they compared use of force guidelines from over 100 uh, countries' largest police departments to come up with their recommendations. And these eight things would include a ban on chokeholds and um, strangleholds, require de-escalation, require a warning, a shot before shooting, um, exhaust all alternatives before shooting, um, a, a duty to intervene, ban on shooting at moving vehicles, require use of force continuum, and require comprehensive reporting. So this is the main thing that we're um, definitely uh, for. And, and what's and the pushing. name of that again? Um, eight Can't Wait. So you can go at 8cantwait.org, hashtag 8cantwait. Um, so there's that. And then also this weekend, actually, um, we're having our Juneteenth rally uh, this Saturday at McClatchy Park from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And basically, it's just going to be a peaceful gathering. We're going to start the march from the Fruit Ridge Community Collaborative um, um, Center. And we're going to basically do kind of like a parade with cars um, to McClatchy Park. And then once we get there, there's going to be, um, a, you know, a very peaceful gathering. We're, um, we're going to be talking about voter registration. Um, there's going to be performances, performances, uh, youth voices, hundreds unitists performing. <laughs> Shout out to hundreds. You know, they bring it. Um, it really just a wonderful, peaceful gathering to celebrate Juneteenth to bring awareness of George Floyd and what's going on. Okay. Can, Can I piggyback you, off that real quick, Keisha? Can you oh. get yourself, Tanisha? Yep. I think that's going to solve it for us when you're not talking, just mute yourself. Yay. Yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, good point, Tanisha. Yes, those are all great events coming up on Saturday. One of the things that I would really encourage everybody to do, just piggybacking directly off of what Keisha is saying, is get involved. If you know that there's going to be some organizations out there that are out to support the good, you know, we will be out there accepting memberships. Right now is the time for your voice to be heard. Right now is the time for you to actually get out and get involved. So come out to Juneteenth. Sign up for an NAACP membership. Right. You're, you're, you can come out to the meetings. You can give out your ideas. You can come support the events that we have so that you can be hands-on and really making a difference and seeing exactly what we do. So, yes, those are great, great things. And come out Saturday. Sign up. We'll have memberships. I think they're actually going to be registering for people for voting. Um, so it's going to be a great cause. And just get out there and do it. Put it on your agenda. Mm -hmm. Highly encourage everybody mm -hmm. at this time. to to Now is the time to get out and get involved. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. And I'm going to, I'm still hearing, Tanisha, oh, you got it. Okay. Whenever I hear the feedback, I know Tanisha took us off mute. Okay. So just to close out this article, I want to say that the Urban Institute also states that people of color are more likely than white people to lose wealth during economic downturns through job layoffs and home foreclosures. Such adverse consequences played out during the Great Recession and seem to be manifesting again during the coronavirus prompted economic slump. So according to um, the listing site Zillow, it says, Zillow Z, COVID-19 spurred job losses are disproportionately impacting Latino, Asian, and black workers who make up the majority of the workforce in the hospitality, tourism, and service industries, which have borne the largest economic brunt of the pandemic so far. Compounding the impact of job losses is the fact that people of color shoulder higher housing costs as a portion of their incomes while earning less than whites. Historically, once the economy rebounds, though, the racial gaps in income, home equity, and wealth do not shrink, the Urban Institute says. Truth. Some truth to that.
one of the things that we need to be paying attention to though the difference between the last housing flop that we had the housing crisis the difference between the last one and this one is that financially the loans that were in place for people who had homes they were bad it was a house build of straw and so it was bound to crash Right now, our issue is the coronavirus. Because what were market conditions before the coronavirus? Definitely, they were much better than they are now. Very steady, you know, things were going up and up and, you know, seemed to be good. And why were prices going up? Inventory was what? Low, very low. And how is inventory now? Even lower. Even lower. I think even Sacramento, I think, just to give you guys some perspective, inventory went from maybe, what, 1,400 total in greater Sacramento down to, what, 750. So it's almost a 50% decrease right. in what inventory was already. And so. that's because of the fear of the coronavirus. So of course, and it's and it's a it's a natural fear. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fear that people should have, putting your house on the market and exposing people, allowing them to come into your home. Um, And just a reminder that we're not taking calls right now because we do have Tanisha on the line and she's our guest. If you want to ask us a question, please go to the social media page on Facebook at Selling Sacramento on the radio and ask us your questions there. And we will definitely answer those questions there. So I, I wanted to bring up that point to say that we are also as a people in a different position as well as African Americans. One of the things that we didn't have, one of the, the, the methods of gaining economic wealth that wasn't as popular back then as it is now is investing. Investing mm-hmm. using whether it's financial apps like Robinhood or E-Trade or pulling together your resources. You see a lot of social media influencers that are doing the buy the block back mm-hmm. trend. Um, a lot of organizations like Black Wealth Matters right yes. here in Sacramento, Absolutely. the Greater Sacramento Financial Literacy Group, we're in a different and better position to be able to come out of this more soundly. I believe if we as a people, remember how we started the show talking about there are some things that we're just kind of trained and conditioned, yeah. and conditioned mm-hmm. to do? So here's where that conditioning starts, ladies and gentlemen. We have to, to step back, as, as I like to say, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. You're so close to the tree that you, you can't step back and see all the opportunity. And if we are looking at the, the tree, if we're looking at um, the disparity, it exists, it's there. We mm-hmm. don't have to keep scratching that dog anymore we know that dog is there now we need to saddle up and say here are our demands and how can we make demands so yeah i mean just chiming in keisha sorry but one of the things that i want i want to say you know that you know we've talked a lot about you know generational wealth redlining leading up to what we're talking about now right Mm -hmm. the disparities and how we are in a better position and how do we make demands and how do we how do we demand change right one of my biggest discrepancies right now when watching what's happening in, in our in our world is that um, there's a lot of issues that are not being discussed, mm-hmm. right? Um, the disparities that we're discussing right now stem a lot from education. 
mm-hmm. right? That should be at the top of our demand list. Mm-hmm. And because so what, it, what does that look like? What it, what it looks like is one, we know factually that in a suburb outside of the city, there one child, I mean, these, these reports just came out and don't quote me to the T, but it's somewhere between a $38,000 per child spent per year mm-hmm. annually in, in a suburb. And then you go to the urban city and, and a child's getting $10,000. So there's in the education in the education sector. So that boils down to housing. Mm -hmm. It boils down to generational wealth. But all of it trickles down. It's going to take such a long time. Mm -hmm. 50 years is what they're saying Mm -hmm. to actually see a change. And it hasn't even been addressed yet. So that alone is discouraging. But the demands have to start with actually demanding the things that will solve the core problem. Mm -hmm. Right. The actual foundational problem. Education. Yes. Housing is a big one. Mm -hmm. But where does that start? Some of the things that you said, you know, the the black community, the Asian community, the Latino community, they were the biggest hit economically through this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their biggest hit because we're at the for, we're at the bottom right. of, of the of the jobs and every job that's actually required um, that it makes up the majority of the ec- economic wealth in general in our in our country, um, we are the ones who make that go round. Right. So if we don't have the opportunity to progress and be in positions to make more money and not be you know, down there and um, feeling like we're we're not um, being treated equally in jobs and, and opportunity. Mm-hmm. We have to start somewhere and it's going to have to start with education. So with that, with you just said something else that was key, the amount of money that we spend. Mm-hmm. When I said that, how do we go about making that change? Where do we how do we make those demands? We are the number one consumer. We are. Trillion dollar industry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you know sure why are. all of? Yeah. Did you want to comment on that before? I, I did want to comment on that. You know what? What comes to mind when you talk about what we need to do as far as like change? How can we make a difference? Like, what do we need to do? Where do we need to start? Um, first of all, strategic planning. Right. We need a plan, and we need leaders that can help take us to the next level and right. start pushing some of this stuff. You know, I'm the president of, of the local Sacramento Realtors Association, but our national NARAB. They have a call to action that we're definitely pushing, um, and, it's, and it's, it's huge. Things like um, lending discrimination and, and the despair fueled by racial discrimination, a stress black, black home ownership, a call for passage of the HEROES Act, a call for all 50 states to pass and update their housing laws, a call for cities to reform for closure prevention laws, a call to eliminate disclosed based insurance rates. To eliminate credit based auto life and property insurance rates, a call for federal housing finance agency and federal housing administration to eliminate loan level pricing adjustments, a call for more investment in black owned banks, CFIs, and credit unions, a call to create, uh, create I'm sorry, and increase a renaissance neighborhood initiative, a call for more technical assistance to increase commercial real estate, property management, and real estate investment, and a call to increase funding more career and business opportunities for black Americans and commercial citizens. ARAB is trying to lead the way, lead a charge in, in change and in action for us to get to that next level. Can you pull your device up a little closer to you? Yes. I took you guys off speaker, so now I'm quiet now. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so when we talk mute, well, when you talk, pull that up closer to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So to Tanisha's point, the the education, the the mindset. So the mindset change, the education, and the action. Yes. These events that are happening, 
you both of both of you have said you're going to be registering people to vote. Can you mute us, Tanisha? Yep. You're going to be registering people to vote. If you are not registered to vote, you need to be out there this Saturday. This is a part of taking action. There, I've I've seen so many people, young people in particular literally crying about you know what's happened because and they're looking at the adults saying why aren't y'all doing something why are y'all letting this happen to us and and i would just like to say that the answers are right in front of us we just need to make the changes registering to vote and voting is not going to be the 100 percent cure-all end-all but it's it's part of the equation not only registering to vote but coming up as a community with the individuals whom we need to vote for there 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 somebody is already some of we are we are already in there in the system we know who these people are we know who who the the candidates are that we should be voting for and we need to quit taking sides the democrats and the republicans have respectively and equally jacked us up I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. I am for truth. I'm on the side of truth. And if you look at our black and brown communities, our leadership has failed us. They are not improving. The, the pockets of these, these puppet leaders are getting fatter, and our communities are getting sadder. The number that you just said mm -hmm. for education and, and, and it's that way also because of the home ownership. But again, this was all set up systemically. Exactly. And I really, you know, I just have to add, vote, register to vote, yes. Everything, you know, Keisha's saying, yes, absolutely. Tanisha, 100%. One of the biggest things that I see um, a disconnect in is we have to just piggy off of what, piggyback off of what you said. We have to know who we're voting for. I know many people who just learn how to vote, you know, who just register to vote, they're just going to go vote party. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I register Democrat, I register uh -huh. Republican, or, I'm just going to vote popular, for whoever. Or whatever popular. <clears throat> or whoever's popular, most popular. You know, that's one of the biggest despair. They don't teach it in school, mm -hmm. you know, so we have to really understand, like Keisha said, we need to figure out who we could put in place, come up with some ideas. You know, it could sound discouraging, but some way we have to come together to make sure that even not just the newer voters, but the voters now. That's if, part of the problem. The voters now don't even know who they're voting if for. If there's anyone out there listening, I want you to email me at agentkey007. If we have an organization in place already that I maybe just not am not aware of, where they are selecting uh, public candidates, people that we need to vote for, because it's coming. November's coming. There's some voting taking, taking place already who are looking out for the interests of African-Americans. And this conversation is so tough because sometimes it sounds like, oh, well, you're being racist and discriminating by talking about everything black. No, we are correcting a wrong. We're getting to the root and the heart and the core of an issue that has been swept over and not dealt with for decades and has now come to a head. So pardon us, my white friends and non-black friends, as we fix what's broken. And I would only pray that more people, this is not a black issue. It's a humanitarian issue. Thank you. And it's been, it's the blacks who have been done wrong. And that needs to be acknowledged. And it is being acknowledged. It is. 
I mean, I agree. It, it's being acknowledged to a certain extent, you know. Um, it's just going to take time. It, it's truly going to take time. There's been so much conditioning as we started this conversation right. off, right? Decades. There's been so much conditioning. I mean, example. 400 you, years of 400 it. 400 years of it. I mean, that's another problem, and I didn't get to mention that before, but what I want to make sure you guys know, this is just a little bit of things that you should look into as as our own community because some of our own community that don't know about Jim Crow, don't know about, you know, Juneteenth. Right. How, how many people in our black community really understand what Juneteenth is about? Right. How, how is it that it's not already Blake, a national basic holiday? Basic black history. Basic black history. But not only that, just... History before black history. Mm -hmm. That's part of the problem. None of that is taught. Where, where, we who were to, we before we got to America? We have to black. coin the phrase black history because we have to bring some awareness to it. But it is not just black history. It is the history of the United States, which includes black people. Right. Tanisha, I think you're trying to. Please. I, I, I am. I just I, I only have a couple of minutes. Um, I have to take off. But I do want to just make a point to what you guys are talking about. Black history. Right. So where where is it starting at the black the black history conversation where it starts in school, right? It starts when you're when you're kids and you have a month and you talk about it, and then boom, you move on to something else. And so our, our children are, are being brought up in a society where it's a very small conversation. Mm -hmm. And if it's not continued in the home, you know, then it, then it kind of gets pushed aside and, they, you know, we're paying attention to more other subjects that are very important. But, but I, I wish there was somehow a way, and I, I hear talks about it, about, having black history be more than just a one-month topic. Mm -hmm. Having it being something serious and, and thought out and planned as part of the curriculum for the whole entire year. So now our, our younger generation and our youth can really understand where we came from, so now they can be better prepared to figure out how we need to get to the next place because they know the history more. Our, our millennials, they don't quite know all of that, and, and it's not really their fault, right? This is something that the, the society has, has taught that black history is a small part of, of American history when really we are the foundation and the root of all of this, you know? And so for me, I get real passionate and fired up about it. And I have conversations with my children about black history all the time, but there needs to be more than just that. It needs to be curriculum, right? And that way we can understand generational wealth and how we were set up for failure from the beginning. And so that's just my little two cents. I wanted to say that before I head on out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely want to thank you. Mute, mute, mute. A great piece of feedback, Tanisha, as always. Right. We want to thank you for taking the time. She's she's doing the um, the in home in, what is it called? Teacher uh, distance learning. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all all of that. Yeah. I got I got two I got two little ones back there. I'm so glad they didn't run in here because that would have been crazy. Um, so they have they have practice, right? We can't just be sitting at the house playing video games. So now I'm off to do that. You know, I'm multitasking. So it's you know, gym it, time. It is what it is. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Tanisha, for joining us. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to close this out. And now that Tanisha is off the line, if you'd like to call in, the phone lines will be open. And you're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key, and we are selling Sacramento.
The lady is a leader, and I'm talking about you. Empowering, empowering, educating, and encouraging sisters everywhere. This is Today's Black Woman with Jennifer Kent. As women, leadership comes naturally, and I've dubbed women who recognize this fact lady leaders. We're talking about cultivating key attributes as lady leaders, like this trait, knowing the needs of others. I know, I know, we aren't mind readers, but shh, don't tell our man or our kids that. But lady leaders have a unique ability to read people to the degree of being able to know what's necessary at that given time. We cultivate this skill through empathy, simply walking in the other person's shoes. Another easy way. Don't be self-centered. Lady leaders know what others need. We're online. Todaysblackwomanradio.com. This is Today's Black Woman. I'm Jennifer Kim. Selling slack. Selling, selling slack. Selling slack. Selling, selling slack. Selling slack. Selling, selling slack. Buying the block back. Hey everyone, we are back. You're listening to 97.5 FM Selling Sacramento and we are talking post uh, George Floyd and the where we are now as it pertains to real estate, the tone, everyone is ready for change. The pump is primed and ready, but where do we go? How do we make that change? And as we look at it from the perspective of real estate, it's important to understand where we came from to understand the situation that we're in to figure out how to get out of it. And before we went on break, we were talking about the mindset change that's going to be required. And one of the questions, Tanisha had to go, but we still have um, our guest here. (laughs) And one of the questions that I wanted to ask them, whoops, was how we deal with this from um, from the perspective of the mind change. In particular, oh, so so here's what I'm thinking: the young people. Before we went on break, we're yes. talking about this. Mm-hmm. Young people don't understand why we aren't moving as swiftly as we could to make this change. They don't understand how deeply entrenched in racism we really are. It's kind of been covered over all this time and it only rears its head when we see things like um the the shootings that get caught on camera the other racism is entrenched in the in the school systems and in the prison systems and so the majority of people don't even know it exists because it doesn't hit them it's like it's been woven into society to impact only the people it was intended to target. And they don't want to, nobody wants to hear what we have to say because we've been so systemically oppressed, we don't have a voice in that arena. Truth, truth, truth. But our voice (laughs) is in our spending power. There are so many businesses that are stepping up to the plate right now and they're not donating a couple hundred thousand dollars. Nope. They're putting their money where their mouth is. Twenty million. I think I just heard this morning. Uh, was it Target or somebody is is donating twenty million dollars? Should we take? Can we take this? Let's call? take okay, the call. Let's, let's take see the who call. it is. <laughs> All right. Ninety-seven-five FM. Hi. Yes, I have a comment that I wanted to make based on the conversation that we're having. Yes, ma'am. I. 
Yes, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. But I do think that black people in general need to be pooling their resources. Mm-hmm. And from there, right. I think we have a better um, a better opportunity to, to put certain politicians in play, mm-hmm. um, maybe to even uh, remove politicians because mm-hmm. we have that economic base. I agree with you 100%. And that is the direction that I was headed when I was talking about the consumer, the spending power Mm -hmm. that we have. Instead Mm -hmm. of being consumers, I think that we've been ingrained and it's it's kind of been a part of our culture. Uh, Again, and it stems from racism Mm -hmm. because we want to be accepted Mm -hmm. that we buy stuff. We want to buy blingy clothes. We want to impress. and, And so we spend all of our resources on external things. I'm, I'm really, really um, proud of the fact that you, um, you know, you made a correction to the language that you had used earlier when you were saying black and brown, mm-hmm. and you really sort of focused the issue on black people. I think that that's an important um, part of the conversation is mm-hmm. understanding that um, we may need to even take a look at some of these coalitions and alliances that we're in and see whether or not black people really are getting what we need as a group. Right. Um, not only reparatively, but also just in terms of what we need now to grow and move forward in this, in this, you know, this, with these future generations. But Absolutely. last little thing that I wanted to say as well is if the black Sacramento community is not familiar with Dr. Claude Anderson, Mm -hmm. um, I would highly, highly recommend that if you have your smartphone on you, if you have your computer on you, um, he is the founder of the Harvest Institute. Um, He's all over uh, social media, YouTube specifically, and has his own channel. Is he here locally, Dr. Claude Anderson? He's not. He's not here locally. I believe he is on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, But he speaks to a lot of the issues that you are bringing up right now. Mm -hmm. And he actually has, and I'm not affiliated with him at all, but it just goes to everything that you are saying. Mm -hmm. And he he has a book called Poweronomics. Powernomics. Powernomics. So I I thought that name sounded familiar. I just Mm -hmm. ordered three of his books. They're coming to me. They are (laughs) on the way. So I think there's a the website is is I think the website is even called powernomics.com. Dot com. That's right. Yes. Right. And this. This man has been in all facets of government. And what is so interesting about what he is saying and what he is trying to wake black people up to is that. you know, what we have been doing since the 1960s mm-hmm. is not working. Right. We have been in these coalitions for decades. Mm-hmm. We have been participating in voting um, the status quo into office. Uh, we have been voting along party lines, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party lines. Right. And where has it gotten us? No. Um, he has uh, made this quotation that, um, you know, we owned one half of one percent of black wealth when we came out of slavery. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the statistics today, we are still owning just a little bit more than one half of 1%. Right. So if you're talking about wealth building, um, then it is extremely important that we as a community take a look at what we are doing, what is working, and we need to be honest about what is not working. Right. I, I have no problem with brown people. I have no problem with white people. They're looking out for their own community. Right. So we need we've to got to that. fix our situation. Yes. We are the ones yes. that end up on the bottom of these polls. Yes. And these the, the polls are the evidence. 
Thank you yeah. so Thank much you. for your call. Thank you. We, Thank we've got to get ready to go, but Great I comments. really appreciate your call. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. You guys have a blessed day. You Thanks as well. You. Take care. So, so you guys who are, are listening to us on social media, there will be a playback of this on the podcast so that you can hear the comment from the caller. And, um, geez, I, I, I forgot that I had ordered that. Oh, my Those goodness. Bugs. Yeah, she hit it right so, on the nose. You know, Dr. She, Cla- really she talked about Dr. Claudia Anderson, Harvest Institute, www.powernomics.com. He just keep Miss Keisha already ordered three of their books. So we Take will be look. discussing it here on the show. <laughs> you know, I'm getting the the wavy hand that we got to we got to go y'all. You know, they need to give me 2 hours. Y'all call in and tell them they need to make my show a 2 hour show yes. so we can talk about this award. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't want to get in trouble. Don't call in here. But look, I want to thank you guys for listening. And um, we're, we are going to continue the conversation. Tune in next week when we will be talking about the color of law. And we will have the president of the Sacramento Association of Realtors on the show next week. I just got confirmation from her this morning. And we are going to carry on this discussion because wherever those organizations are, I know they're forming. We just don't know where they are. We're going to get you plugged in so that we can see some real change, especially as it pertains to real estate. And may I add, Ms. Judy Covington, who is the president of SAR, is one of the few African-American leaders that they've had. And she'll be here. That was so important to say. Thank you. (laughs) She is an African-American, and she is the president of the Sacramento Association of Realtors, and she will be here Wednesday next week. So thank you all for listening in. Thank you, Kira, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Tanisha, for being on the show. Tune in next week. And if you are doing what you were created to do, I will see you at the top. It's time to register for kindergarten at Fortune Schools.